Well, welcome to church, everybody. You happy to be here? Yeah, it's good. Because I'm excited to preach the word. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Chris. I'm the Connections and Youth Pastor here. Thank you. Thank you for the two people in the front. Which, by the way, I love seeing a whole bunch of young boys in the front. Can we give a hand for that, getting ready for service? Yeah. Let's see if they'll still be there after I'm done preaching. <clears throat> so uh, I, I just want to get right into it. Actually, before I do, though, let me, let me just uh, echo what was said in the announcements. I just want to encourage you. There's a lot happening. Obviously, we have a full house here. Thank you for understanding. The ushers are doing their best to get everybody seated as we can. Um, but this has been happening in a lot of our ministries, so we want to encourage you to sign up for things. Uh, we, last time we had the men's breakfast, we had about 22 guys signed up, but about 50 showed up. Thank goodness we're a radically generous church, and we already prepared plenty <laughs> for everybody. But please let us know if you guys are coming to things so that we can, we can do uh, that and serve you as well. Uh, so we're continuing a series on courage. Now, this is a word for the year that Pastor Aaron has shared the last two weeks. He was thinking about possibly giving me just free reign and doing whatever, but honestly, I told him that there's really been a, a word on my heart, uh, one of these specific verses that we've been talking out of the book of Joshua. So if you want to open up to Joshua chapter 1, follow along with me here, and this is the word. It says Joshua in one seven. it says, be strong and courageous, one of the many times he says it. But here's the thing, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. So not only does it talk about uh, being strong and courageous, but twice there, did you notice it says you'll be successful? There's actually an output that comes with that. And I'm just going to give you my, my thesis up front. And here's the reality. You can have courage when you walk in God's ways. You can have courage when you walk in God's ways. Let me just tell you, Joshua needed some courage. His predecessor, Moses, had just died. And he's about to take these people into the promised land. Now, let me just paint this picture for you. This wasn't just something they found out about yesterday. It's been hundreds of years there's about one to two million Israelites on the other side of the Jordan right now, and God's saying, you're the guy. You're the guy. You're taking them over there. Now, Moses, I, I must say, he had some winds under his belt out there in the wilderness, but usually Mo Moses was the guy. I mean, remember, Moses is the one who opened the Red Sea, and they crossed there, and then manna from heaven coming out of the sky, and then smacking the, the rock, and their water out of a rock. I mean, miracle after miracle, and then all of a sudden he dies just as they're about to go in. I can imagine that Joshua needed to hear, be strong and courageous a couple times. Now, I, I'm going to really quickly uh, move through this. Um, so what happens is God does take them through the Jordan supernaturally mind you. So he tells the, the priest with the Ark of the Covenant to walk into the water, and it says at a town called Adam, way, way up the river, the, it got blocked off, and all of a sudden, they were on dry ground. So they go supernaturally across this, and then they set up memorial stones to be a remembrance of this incredible miracle. But I can only imagine your confidence is starting to rise now, right? 
Your confidence is, is starting to rise. You're starting to get excited. Like there's, there's like some energy now. Like God did something supernaturally and now this whole people group is on the other side of the river. Now it's time. Let's take over the promised land. In fact, Joshua chapter five, verse one, it says, now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they crossed over, this and this, their hearts melted with fear and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. Now, let me remind you that Jericho itself here, that they're about to go up against, we already knew that they're afraid from a couple previous chapters. They heard about all this stuff happening out in the wilderness. They heard how God parted the sea for these people. They heard how they supernaturally got through all these things and, and that God was doing these incredible miracles. So it already says these people were a little afraid. I know we like to picture Jericho as like this fortified city, these tough guys and everything, but they're already afraid. Now they're thinking, okay, we got some time. They're on the other side of this river, but boom, they're on their doorstep. This is the moment. Pick up your sword, be strong and courageous. In fact, I have an armor bearer with me here today. Jordan, can you, can you guys give Jordan a hand? Yeah. We're not one of those churches that has people carry around your big old Bible for you, but he can carry my sword for me. Yeah. So I can just picture this moment. Yes, it's real. We don't, we don't play games in youth ministry. You got the youth pastor now preaching. So, so could you picture this moment, right? Josh was feeling pretty good. He had all this incredible nervousness beforehand, but they just crossed the Jordan supernaturally, and they hear these people are afraid. This is the moment. Pick up your sword. Go for it. Take the land. I mean, this was the promised land. God already shows. He can do the miracles, and so you can... Feel your chest puff up just a little bit. Let me read you the next verse, Joshua chapter 5, verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives. Let's just hold it there for a second. Make flint knives. I can imagine that Joshua was looking at it and going like, okay, sword, flint knife. Okay, well, I mean, I've seen the movies. Maybe we're going to sneak in and, like, you know, slit their throats. And so, I mean, this is PG-13. I'm sorry. But this, this, is, this is like, I mean, he's, like, thinking, all right, flint knives. This, this is good. Let's do this. Like, maybe God's got some other way that we're going to do this. Let me read you the rest of the verse. And circumcise the Israelites again. I told you, boys, you didn't want to sit in the front row. I'm sorry. That's total youth pastor stuff. Wait, what? We made, these, we made these swords. We were all ready. We were ready for battle. God even said, like, get up, get ready. You're going into the land. And they get up and they get ready. He's like, no, no, no. Let's make some flint knives. Let's have uh, circumcision. Um, okay. Joshua 5.3 says, so Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gebeath Harloth. Let me tell you what that word means. Hill of the foreskins. Yeah, let's name it that. I mean, I'm, I mean this, this is ridiculous. This does not make any sense. I mean, this 
was part of the covenant of God, though, that he had commanded before, and they had not been keeping up with it while out in the wilderness. It says in Joshua 5, 7, so he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had, been, they had not been circumcised on the way. You know, there's so many people that are out there saying, Lord, speak to me. I'll do whatever you want. And he says, I already did, and you haven't obeyed. Why this area? Why not just a ring? Like marriage, like you guys know I'm married. I got a ring on my finger, maybe some piercing or a tattoo or something like that. Why your privates? This is important because it's your private life where the power is, not your public life. Circumcision was an outward expression of an inward reality. In Deuteronomy 10, 16, he said, circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. That word stiff-necked means like a horse who, like, you're trying to turn the horse, but he's like, no, I don't want to turn, right? You've been horse riding, and it's like sometimes they're like, just don't want to listen to you. Like, no, I don't want to. He says, that's what you're like as a people. Circumcise your hearts, not only circumcision, but then he tells them to have the Passover. On Joshua 5.10, it says, On the evening of the 14th month of, day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. This is only the third time that they've now celebrated the Passover. Yet God had said to celebrate it for generations, a lasting ordinance. And they're just now starting to do this again. Now, this is important. There must always be consecration before conquest. Worship before warfare. Picture this for a second. You're Jericho. You see all these people come across on dry ground. You're starting to shake in your shoes a little bit. But then Joshua cuts off all of the army. In one foul swoop. Not only that, then they throw a party. Now, Passover was for days. Like, they, they, they threw a party. So this is getting a little weird. This doesn't make a lot of sense. But the ways of God can appear foolish to the world. But you can have courage when you do it God's way. In Joshua chapter 5, now, I mean, now Joshua's ready. Like, now, now he's ready to go. It's time. I mean, we did the thing, right? Let's not talk about the thing anymore. We, we did the thing, and, and now we're ready to go. People healed up, thank goodness. And uh, now we had some partying. Now, now it's time to go take the land. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up, and he saw a man standing in front of him with a sword drawn in his hand. All right. This is Joshua's moment. So Joshua went up to him. I can only imagine. Hey, are you for our, us or for our enemies? I could just picture this. I mean, Joshua's like, okay, well, now I got this army with me. Now we're ready to take this land. We did what God told us to do. Now let's go in. Let's take this land. And the first guy that shows up, they're like, are you for us or are you for them? I love his response. Neither. No, no, I'm not for you. I'm not for them. He says, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, 
Joshua gets the, of course, this is what he said, like, tell me what to do. Like, you're the commander of the Lord's army. Tell me what to do. This is, this is time. This is battle. I need direction from the Lord. And you know what the Lord tells him to do? Take all your fighting men and start walking around the city one time. Okay. No, 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 no. Let me think about, no, let's put the priests out in front. And better yet, let's put the Ark of the Covenant out in front of that. The presence of God. And so, not just one day, not just two days, for six days, you're just going to walk around. Just going to walk around the track, like gym class. Right? And then, then all of a sudden, on the seventh day, you're supposed to do that not, not just once, six times, and then on the seventh time, you shout, and the walls will come down. I can imagine Joshua going back to his, his uh, commanders and going like, okay, here's what we're going to do. And his commander's being like, yeah, yeah. He's going, no, no, put those away. Put those away. <laughs> it's time to walk. But I'll just tell you, it happened exactly how God told them to. They walked, they walked, they walked on the last day. They walked around, they shouted, and the, fall, the walls just literally fell down. Boom. Walls fell down. Said, now go and get them. It's an incredible moment. You know what's always bothered me about this story, though? Why isn't Moses there? Why isn't Moses there? Moses was his predecessor. Moses did all these amazing things. He, he parted the Red Sea. I mean, doesn't he deserve to walk in and see this victory? This is, I mean, this is everything he's been building up to this moment. And then all of a sudden he gets to the edge and he dies. This, this doesn't make sense. And, and Moses is this leader who dealt with these complaining Israelites. I mean, have you ever been in church leadership? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, so he's just dealing. <laughs> Stepping on toes. But I, I'm just telling you, like this guy put up with a lot. Let's be honest. He put up with a lot. He deserves to be on the new land. He deserves to check it out. Like, he, he deserves to have that opportunity. You know, but one of these moments when, when the Israelites were complaining, they didn't have any water. Now, th at this point, they've had all these miracles, and it's kind of like you being in here and be like, oh, I don't have a padded seat. Now, it's like, so the manna from the sky wasn't enough, and then this wasn't enough, and that wasn't enough, and... But here's what happens. It says, Moses and Aaron in Numbers 20 from, went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, now listen clearly. Take this staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. Those are the instructions. Go talk to the rock and see the water come out. So, next verse, Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raises his arm, and he struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But... The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you won't bring this community into the land I'll give them. This one moment, 
is the moment that decides the fate of Moses not seeing the promised land this side of heaven? I mean, just picture this. He smacks the rock twice, and, and, and the water comes out. That's what blows me. But let me just tell you, just because something works doesn't mean that God's pleased. I'm going to say that again. Just because something works doesn't mean God's pleased. we got to be careful in the church that just because something's working or, or it worked before, that, that somehow God's happy with it. And that's not what he's looking at. Don't, don't mistake frustration for courage. Don't mistake bitterness for courage. Don't mistake anger for courage. And let me tell you, charisma is not the same as courage. Moses probably looked, just picture this from the Israelites' perspective. He comes out of the tent of meeting. They didn't hear this conversation. They just heard Moses come out of the go, you rebels, ha, bow, bow. And he looked like the tough guy. The water came out, the livestock drank, the people drank. They're happy. What's the big deal? And, and honestly, Moses is sitting there probably going like, did it again, right? But there are people who have strong personalities but don't have emotional maturity to communicate directly and they're prone to what's called phantom strikes, passive-aggressive, co-opting people onto your team. This is the keyboard warriors. Passive-aggressive, and they might wrap it in spiritual language, but it's not courage. I just tell you, church, venting your frustrations on social media has never helped anyone. I know it's really hard. It's never helped anyone. I hear one preach it, but think about that. It might have made you feel better for a little bit, but all it did was co-opt people to your side. Complaining is never going to bring the blessing of God in your life. Let me just give you a real clear saying that can help you with that. Say what you mean and mean what you say. But I want to go a step farther. Say it to the person you mean it to go to. Sometimes you're saying what you mean. Sometimes you mean what you say, but you're saying it to the wrong person. Say it to the person that you mean it to. That's courage. I've seen people sidetrack the plan and purpose of God in their life because of a root of bitterness. In Psalm 106, it talks about this moment by the waters of Meribah. They angered the Lord, and trouble came to Moses because of them. For they rebelled against the Spirit of God, and rash words came from Moses' lips. Because of the way Moses handled himself in leadership, he didn't see the promised land this side of heaven. There is nothing in Scripture before this point that says you're not going over there. Moses totally expected to go over there. In fact, he writes about this in Deuteronomy. And I love, normally Moses writes in third person, like Moses did this, Moses did that. But here he says, let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine hill country in Lebanon. But because of you, he's writing the Israelites, <laughs> he's still angry. The Lord was angry with me and would not listen to me. That's enough, the Lord said. Do not speak to me anymore about this matter. That's harsh. But if we're not careful, we will always be achieving and never becoming someone. See, the first time, this is the second time God did this. The first time God did say, strike the rock. But here's the reality. Arrogance says, 
I did this before. I'm going to strike the rock, and this time I'm just going to do it harder. How many times do we do that in our life? Oh, I've done this before. Yeah, yeah, I've seen this before. We get out our sword. I'm going to strike the rock. I'm going to strike it again just, just for the heck of it, right? And, and that's what we do in our lives. But let me just remind you that there are eyes, God's eyes, that are roaming around the earth, not looking for the person striking the rock the hardest. He's looking for hearts that are fully set on him. David, when he gets picked as king, it says in 1 Samuel 16, his brothers get overlooked, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at your heart. I'm going to break some egos right now. God's not impressed with how much you pound your chest. God's not impressed by your talent. He's not impressed with your education. You can have all those letters behind your name, but he's not impressed with that. He's not impressed with your skills. He's not impressed with your incredible knowledge, your likes, your follows. In fact, get this, he's not impressed with your TikTok dances. John Steck. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I can only say that because I know he's not on TikTok. And if he was, I want to see that. But I'll just tell you. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah. I'll just tell you, he's not impressed with those things. But what do we do? We do these works for God, and then all of a sudden we think he's imp- somehow impressed from heaven. Like, my goodness, aren't you a big boy? Right? Like, wow, you're, you're really educated. You know, you're getting close to my knowledge now. Like, oh, wow, you, you mean you got a boat and, and a house and a car? Wow, I've got the cattle of a thousand hills. And let's be careful that that courage doesn't look like gaining all the stuff and winning all these things and having, like, those things are not bad in of themselves, but he's not looking at that. And he never was looking at that while you were doing it. And he wasn't up there going, Hercules, Hercules, right? He's, my kids just watched that the other day. That's why it's in my head. But it's going to take internal courage to trust the Lord's ways, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it doesn't make sense. Michael L. Brown wrote a book about revival, and now this is about revival, but I want to just tell you this, this matters for everything in the church. It's called Seize the Moment, and he said, but this is where we often fail, wanting to conform the revival to our sensibilities, wanting to avoid the reproach of the unusual wanting to avoid the fear of the unknown, wanting to keep things under our control. Now listen to this picture. This is so powerful. This is an absolutely fatal mistake to make in revival. It's similar to taking water from a wave in the ocean and putting it in a bottle. The moment you bottle it, you lose it. The water may remain, but the wave is gone. The substance might look the same, but it has lost its power and it has been tamed. How many times in our lives have we just done things the same way and we're so afraid to just follow God and what he's told us to do very clearly and we don't want to do that because it doesn't make sense. But oftentimes in the church what we do is we we bottle up what worked yesterday and we say, well, it's going to work again today and then we wonder why the wave's not there. It's because God didn't tell you to bottle it up. He said to listen to him. Remember, consecration comes before conquest. 
worship before warfare. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 27, so the Lord was with Joshua. They just, they just got Jericho. The Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. Again, they're feeling pretty good about themselves. I mean, be honest. Have you ever just walked up to a wall and yelled at it and it fell over? Don't try it right now. It'll be really weird. But all the land is hearing what happened in Jericho. This is, this is some scary stuff. They, they came and they slaughtered people. I mean, it was, it was crazy. But let me just tell you this. You are most vulnerable when you're in a time of victory. You know, oftentimes we think, well, I'm so vulnerable. I'm so weak. No, 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 no. You wait till you get some success. That's when you're the most vulnerable. Because in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1, it says, But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So he, the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel, and told them, Go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. So there's some sin in the camp. See, the problem is God very clearly in the previous chapter said, don't let anybody get out of Jericho and anything that you get gets devoted to me. It's the principle of the first fruits. It's the first thing that you come across gets devoted to the Lord. And so that's what he told people to do. But honestly, Achan's like, I mean, there's this Babylonian garb that's really cool and they got tons of silver and gold. Like, you really think this is a big deal? And so he hid it in his tent. But here's the reality. They go out and they spy AI, and AI is this little village, little town. And the guys come back like, we don't need to bother the whole army with this. They, they come back with their swords like, guys, these people are ready for the killing. We, we are going in there, and we're going to take the land, you know. They're just coming off of Jericho, and he's like, the, the spies say, we don't even need to send everybody. So they decide just to send 3,000 guys out there. They send 3,000 guys out there, and they literally get their butts whooped. That's what it says in the original language. No, I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't know that. That's a paraphrase. Must be the marriage uh, message paraphrase. But so, like, literally, it says that they got a spanking the whole way back. And not only that, they had 36 people that were killed. 36 people that were killed. Now, something's wrong. Joshua's like, what, what's going on? I mean, we, we had this. This is a little town. We, we had 3,000 guys. Like, let's, let's do this thing. Now it says that they got beat up. They got sent back with their tails between their legs. And then it says the hearts of the Israelites melted in fear and became like water. So they, they go from this like, ha, let's take the land. And all of a sudden they flip. So now it's not the other people that are fearful. Now the Israelites are like, no. Let me just tell you, this is significant. This is the only defeat recorded as they take the promised land. It's the only one. But the reality is they never talk to God about it. Pride leads to prayerlessness. Pride leads to prayerlessness. Too many of the promises of God have been left on the table because of bypassing sanctification. Joshua, now what does he do? Now he'll grovel at God's feet, right? Joshua tears his clothes and he falls face down before the ark. And it says in Joshua 7, 7, and Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? 
If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant. I goes, pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? Like, what am I going to say? The Canaanites and the other people of the country are going to hear about this. They're going to surround us and wipe our name, wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? Woo, Joshua. Better watch that mouth, boy, right? <laughs> Josh, Joshua comes out and he just starts, I mean, he just starts going for it. It's like, but isn't how quick we are to blame God when things don't go our way? How quick we are to blame God when things don't go our way. Worship team, you guys can come up a while. See, Joshua should have done this before, number one. And then look at the condition of his heart. What about us? What are we going to do? People are going to be upset. People, I, mean, I mean, I'm supposed to be this great warrior, and now, now you call me out, and, and, and look at us now. How many times have you prayed, and you're counseling God? God, you should have done it like this. God, you, you know what? You missed it. You know, what, what are people going to say about you? God's like, because I never told you to do that. I never told you this. And so be careful in your prayer life that you're not counseling God, that you're actually going to God and you're listening for his voice. I love this, though, Joshua 7.10. This is like my favorite verse in this portion of Scripture. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. Very rarely, like people drop to their knees before the Lord, very rarely does God go, just stand up. There's an exclamation point in there, by the way. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They've stolen. They've lied. They've put them with their own possessions. Listen, church, there is a time to pray, and then there's a time to get up and walk according to his word. I've counseled too many people that want to pray again about what God has said, and is that God already spoke to you. Go do what he's calling you to do. Too often we use the church to make people comfortable on the journey when we're supposed to be making people holy for a purpose. Was this really a big deal, though? I mean, it's just, just, a, just a little stuff. I mean, it's just a one outfit. I mean, I mean, it is Gucci, but please, like, and just, I mean, the silver and gold. I mean, the, Jericho had tons of silver and gold. God's got enough. He said he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He's got that stuff. Like, why, why does God need that? But how quickly we can make excuses for sin. Listen, if you're trying to justify yourself with God and his word, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If you're trying to justify yourself with God's word and his ways, that's actually the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I've met with a number of people this, uh, this month and last month, and they've chosen to be sober, to not drink any more alcohol, to not smoke any more weed. And I will tell you, I am so proud of them. I will tell you, it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to pick up the sword and go into battle, absolutely. But let me just tell you, it takes a whole lot more courage for this.
too many times we think we're supposed to be fighting this huge battle, taking over this great land. God's like, pick up the flint knife. Pick up the flint knife. Pick up the, the word of God and says it's alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, that it pierces through. It says to the dividing of soul and spirit, dividing of joints and marrow. That's a surgeon's scalpel. Now, there was a process of dealing with Achan, poor Achan. <laughs> but they literally, they literally line everybody up in Israel and they call out, like, we're gonna call out this clan over here. Oh, that's Achan's clan. Uh, then we're going to call out this family unit over here. And Achan at this point is probably thinking, hmm, that's weird. Then they call out the Achan's actual family. Now Achan's like, and then Joshua says, Achan, what have you done? And now Achan's like, oh, I took the devoted things. This is what I did, and I buried it in my tent. And Joshua's probably thinking, why didn't you tell me like, a year ago, you know what I mean? Like, you should have told me about this. Now, I will tell you, you can read it, but Achan gets stoned to death. Poor guy. Okay. <laughs> but let me tell you what happened next. They go, God's, God takes away his anger, and they go, and they totally destroy AI. But here's the kicker. You know what he says? Everything's yours. Everything's yours. You know what's crazy? If Achan would have waited, he would have had so much more than that stuff he was holding on to. And sometimes it's the sin in our hearts. Sometimes it's that stuff that's just holding us back, but we're refusing to allow God to work in our hearts. And this is a message for everyone. This isn't the person next to you. This is for you. I don't care how gray-haired saint you are. While I've been saying this message, I, I, I have gray hair, so Carol, we're good. So, uh, But in this message, every single one of us knows there's something. There's something. Because I could tell you, I just looked out of here, I don't see any halos yet. But if you would wait upon the Lord, you know, sin is that desire to instant gratification. I just want it now. And if you would just wait, if you just do it God's way, if you would just like, like the circumcision happened, the, the, the Passover happened, and, and you know what? They didn't even need to scale the walls. The walls came down. Then an AI, he gives them a strategy that is just so much easier than 3,000 guys going over there and getting their butts kicked. I don't know if you know this, but uh, some of you may not know this, but two, three years ago, we had already pretty much signed a contract on a property that was further down the road. And God closed the door. So what'd we do? Oh, man, poor us, right? Get all upset and frustrated. No, no, no. That's not courage. You know what's amazing? This property that we are signing on currently, we're getting this property for half the amount, double the land. In the middle of a terrible economy. 
if you will do it God's way and allow God to deal with, with these things, we, we could have we gone back to that other property and, and I would have given you all sorts. We'd go like, let's go get them. This ain't fair, you know? Like, here, Ben, take this, you know? But, but no, it's like, no, no, no. God, a collective witness said, that's, that's not what God's doing. So to go to the next level, we're gonna have to deal with these things. And this is gonna take courage. And sometimes it's revelation. You see something about yourself that you didn't see before. Sometimes we've deceived ourselves. We think we're good, but there's something about God's word that's just pulling on us. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to deal with your heart, to choose to consecrate yourself, to deal with the sins and the patterns that go against the ways of the Lord. That's what those people are doing this month who are saying, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. Now, I will tell you, that is hard. I wish God went and just knocked it out of us. But sometimes that's called discipleship. That means like kind of taking this thing and over and over and over again. But the Apostle Paul talks about circumcision at the end of uh, Galatians and I want you to see this verse because, guys, I don't want you to be nervous here before you guys leave here today. I want you to read these verses. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 15, it says, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. And all the gods said, Amen. What counts is the new creation. What counts is what's inside of you. Because if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you are now a new creation. But here's the reality. It works from the inside out. I got a lot of old Chris Merrill on the outside of me. And, man, it still kind of gets me. And that's why I got to pick this up again. It says to circumcise your heart. What's interesting, the reason why he had to talk about this is there were people in the church that were like, y'all got to be circumcised. And these guys are like, do we have to do this? Like, this is weird. And, and, and he says this in verse uh, chapter 6, verse 12. He says, those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. He, they're trying to be impressive. They're trying to go like, and, and he goes on to say, like those that are circumcised, they still don't fulfill the law. He said, that's not what it's about. So before you go and you pick up the sword and run into battle, pick up the double-edged knife and allow the heart surgery to be done first. That is going to take courage. I'm gonna ask if you'd all stand in prayer. Leaders, if you guys could get in place. We're gonna take a moment and just take a moment, a time of consecration, and we're gonna, we're gonna sing this song that we were singing. And now, now remember, like, when I fight the battle, I fight on my knees. I fight on my knees. It's him who's going to win the battle. It's him who's going to give you the instruction. It's him who's going to help you and strengthen you by his Holy Spirit to deal with these things. It's going to take courage right now for you to be honest with God. Because you can be a stiff-necked people if you want to, but he's saying, no, 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 circumcise your hearts. And so I'm going to just have them sing this chorus and if you need prayer I just want to encourage you whether it's for anything even if it's for healing inner healing dealing with issues of your heart 
Allow God to do his work. And so when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you in every fear I lay at your feet and I'll sing through the night oh God the battle belongs to and so when I fight I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high oh God the battle belongs to you and every fear I lay at your feet and I'll sing through the night oh God the battle belongs to you and almighty fortress you go before us nothing can stand against the power of our God you shine in the shadow and you win every battle and nothing can stand against the power of our god oh almighty fortress you go before us nothing can stand against the power of our god because you shine in the shadow and you win every battle nothing can stand against the power of our god heavenly father right now we come before you god you are a holy god we sang it earlier lord holy 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 is the lord god almighty we don't even deserve to stand in your presence and yet you beckon us to come closer God, in this moment, Lord, would you help us by your Holy Spirit, Lord, to, to deal with the areas of our lives where we've been justing our, justifying ourselves in Scripture, or we've been doing it our own way, or we've been arrogant enough to think we know the way. But, Lord, you said in your word that you're the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through you. And, God, we want to see the promises that you have for us this side of heaven. God, we want to step into the promised lands, Lord. We want to step into seeing our families saved, Lord. Uh, the people coming to faith, Lord. We want to step into the people uh, getting sober, Lord, and, and addictions being gone, Lord. All the things, Lord. We thank you for the provision, Lord, and the blessing. But we're not blessed to hold on to it. We're blessed to be a blessing. God, help us, Lord, to release the, the clutches that we have on control. I just sense that in my spirit that somebody right now has been holding on to control for far too long, that there is so much more outside of their control than they even realize. God, help them by your spirit to circumcise their hearts, to release, Lord, to you, to have your will and your way, because you're perfect in all of your ways. God, for the person who they know God's been speaking to them and been clearly uh, delineating something, but they haven't had the courage to stand up and walk 
that way. I pray this is the moment that they would stand up and they would walk that way. This is the moment that the courage, the inner courage begins to take hold, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, that, that they wouldn't pray about it anymore, that they'd walk in it. God, I thank you, Lord, that, that God, you consistently sanctify us to deeper levels of faith that you move us from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And God, we're not gonna hold that glory. We're not gonna say it was our own effort. We're not gonna say that we're amazing, Lord. We're gonna bring glory to our King in heaven because you deserve it all. And we pray all this in the matchless name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Can we give the Lord some glory here today? Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for being a part of this service. Church, I love you. I'm so happy to be a part of this church and what God is doing. And, and I pray our, our prayer team's gonna stick around a little bit longer. If there's something that God's put on your heart, deal with it now. Deal with it now. I just wanna encourage you with that. Well, we love you guys. We'll see you this week. We got Wednesday night, Thursday night. We got all kinds of things happening. So find out at the Info Center on your way out.